Fly daily with Qatar Airways from Dublin and embark on an unforgettable journey to one of more than 160 destinations worldwide, including Perth, Cape Town, Singapore and the Maldives via Doha. Book now at QatarAirways.com. Qatar Airways, going places together. Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad, no one will film it. These brave podcasters will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee and Patrick Duffy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of Table Reads. Howdy. Hello, Patrick. How how have you been, <laughs> sir? Hello, Sean. Well, since our last episode, we've both bought in houses. And yes, I said bought in. Yes, it should be noted that uh, a lot has changed. You've probably noticed, dear listener, that there's been quite a gap. It's been about a year and a half <laughs> yeah. since part five of this script. And that's because uh, there was massive upheaval in both our lives. We both bought houses. As said, I've set up a whole new podcasting studio in mine, which we are recording in from the, for the first time right now. This is my first time producing the show ever. 65 episodes in. It's about time, I figure. About time, yeah. So that's where we are as people. And the show's going to keep running full stop from here on out. I like that. Yes. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's find out because it's been a year and a half uh, <laughs> where we were. Previously on Table Reads. Test pilot Steve Austin, having suffered a horrific crash, was rebuilt with bionic parts as part of a top-secret government program. With the world having thought him dead for eight months, he briefly reunited with his fiancée before being brought back in and informed of his real mission, to destroy his bionic predecessor, Clatch, before he manages to weaponize stolen tech that will allow him to convert large portions of atmosphere from oxygen-rich to carbonized and lethal to humans. When we left off, Steve had just been informed that a failsafe was built into him, removing any choice he may have had on the matter. Fade in. Interior operating room. Rudy and his team repair Steve's torn circuitry and dress the damaged skin with replacement skin. Steve stares off into the distance, wincing slightly. Clatch's headquarters are rumored to be somewhere in the vicinity of Mount Fuji. You'll be harriered over and dropped within a mile of the mountain, where you'll proceed to search for his base. Once detected, Clatch is to be put down by any means necessary. Any data or hardware regarding the subfusion microchip is to be brought back. We'll be monitoring from operations, but we'll have backup standing by on an offshore carrier should trouble occur. In the event that you're incapacitated, we'll track you via your tracking device and send them in. 
Barring that, once your mission is accomplished, you can rendezvous with the Harrier at the coordinates you've been provided with on the disk. It also contains an entire digitized mapping program detailing the surrounding 30-mile radius of the mountains. Interior Locker Room Steve zippers his flight suit closed. Oscar debriefs him, as, a, as opposed to all that that just happened, which was literally <laughs> Oscar debriefing him. <laughs> yes, but that was a, a voiceover narrative. That wasn't intended for Steve's tender ears. He literally is talking to Steve. <laughs> just because he's not on screen at the time doesn't mean that that's not him talking to Steve. Hey, no pics didn't happen. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, if we don't hear back from you in 48 hours, well, I'm sure we will. Steve says nothing. He grabs his... Thanks. Just let me do all the work here, script. <laughs> he grabs his helmet and moves to exit. Oscar grabs his arm. Steve. Steve offers him a cold stare. Oscar releases him. The failsafe device that you're carrying will be activated if I deviate from my mission, I know. No, it's... Oscar looks around. It's located in your right arm. Here. Oscar indicates the placement on Steve's forearm. Once activated, you'll feel a dulling of electrical charge. Something akin to having your arm fall asleep. It's programmed to spread from processor to processor until your entire system is shut down. But the process takes two minutes to reach complete detonation. Thanks, Oscar. I've got to fly to Japan and kill a psycho robot now. Oscar grabs Steve and looks him in the eyes. You have two minutes from the moment you feel that sensation in your forearm. Do you understand? Oscar offers Steve a grave glare. Steve, I understand. Steve catches oh, on. <laughs> My bad. You'll edit that, I'm sure. I understand. Oscar half smiles and releases Steve. Good luck. Exterior, airfield, day. The Harrier jet is prepped for takeoff. Thus this fucking badass music. <laughs> A pilot is already in the cockpit. Steve climbs the ladder and boards the craft. Oscar watches from down the runway. The jet lifts into the air and shoots into the sky. Exterior, Mount Fuji, Japan. Day. The Harrier carting Steve descends near the mountain. Interior, jet. Day. The pilot snaps on his interior radio. Yeah, I'll be him. Okay. We're over the drop site, Colonel Austin. Do you remember where the rendezvous site is? I got it. Then I'll see you here in 24 hours. Roger that. Steve reaches above him and grabs hold of a red lever. He pulls it and his seat shoots upward. You said lever. Yeah, lever or lever <laughs> is correct. And as know, soon as I, I said lever, I was like, that sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Exterior jet, day. The back canopy flips open, allowing Steve's ejection from the jet. Once out, the canopy closes again, and the jet veers away. 
I, I have to say. What's with this music? It, it is, like, too cool for this script. I named it on my soundboard Douche Rock. Yeah, that's that's fairly certain. I love it. it it's, it's great. It reminds me of, like, late 90s Steve Vai. Or Joe Sach, you know? It, uh, it reminds me of just badassery for your ears. Yes. Exterior, Mount Fuji, day. A parachute erupts from Steve's seat, and he floats earthward. Interior, Clatch's command post, day. A monitor displays Steve's descent. Didn't I tell you? Um, oh, wait, I, 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 I have to ask. Are we doing his voice as Japanese like we have been for like the last four episodes, or are we going to do it? Because we did discover that Clatch, though he's introduced speaking Japanese and surrounded by ninjas, is in fact a guy whose first name is Avery. Yeah. Um, I'm going to leave it up to you. You're the actor you acted out. However you feel appropriate. Alright, I, I think we'll get away from the stereotypical Asian dialect. Uh, we'll just move it to some kind of... I don't know, I'll have to do some deep... Uh, whatever. Didn't I tell you? Get yeah. See, that sounds weird. Oh yeah, just do something like gravelly and and evil. Okay. Didn't I tell you, Gilgamesh? Still, just such a great name. Yeah. Gilgamesh. Clatch sits on a throne, watching a bank of monitors, half of which display Steve, the other half show carrier jets being prepared. Gilgamesh stands in wait at a control panel. Here's our guest now. What say we test our guest's new minted abilities? Hmm? Stingers, please. Gilgamesh throws a switch. Exterior, Mount Fuji, day. Two Stinger missiles shoot out of the trees. Steve takes notes of the missile takes note of the missiles heading toward him. He punches the belt on his chest with which unfastens him from his seat slash parachute and drops like a stone toward the ground. The missiles hit the chair, obliterating it. Steve freefalls towards a thicket of trees. He extracts a tether line with hook attachment from his belt and hurls it toward one of the larger limbs. The hook catches the branch and wraps. Yeah, boy! <laughs> Is there any reason that, uh, that uh, uh, tether line with hook is, is, is capitalized? Yes, whenever you introduce a prop or, or something like that, it's capitalized to help the people that are breaking down the script to be able to know they need to do these things. Oh, all right. The more you know. That's why the first time you see any, any new character, their name is all in caps. So everybody, like, casting needs to know they need to cast that person. Costumes needs to know they need a costume for that person, etc. Good to know. Yeah. So what was happening with that hook? Oh, it was uh, wrapping around stuff. Mm. Steve swings through the thicket and up again. He releases the line and lands in a lengthy lagoon. A lengthy lagoon? That's weird. Interior, Clatch's command post. Clatch nods toward the screen, impressed. He looks to Gilgamesh and offers the same impressive nod. Gilgamesh shrugs. Mm. Sharks. Exterior, lagoon, day. 
Steve rises to the sur surface of the lagoon and immediately surveys the lay of the land. Interior, lagoon, underwater. A steel door built into the earth itself flips open <laughs> and outrush two sharks. Here is a parenthetical. Corny, maybe, but it's been a while since I've seen a shark on the big screen and I miss them. <laughs> that is so Kevin. <laughs> Jesus, Kevin. Who does that in the script? I don't know. It's, it's like he's hilarious. It's like he's uh, preemptively responding to the criticism he knows he's going to get. <laughs> yeah. Pretty ballsy. Exterior <laughs> lagoon day. Steve wades toward the shore and is suddenly pulled under. Interior lagoon underwater. The sharks tug at Steve mercilessly. Interior clutches command post. On the monitor, Steve wrestles with the sharks. Clatch watches, intrigued. He looks to Gilgamesh for agreement, but Gilgamesh offers only the rolling of his eyes. I know, I know. How much harm can they do him? But you've got to admit, it's damned exciting stuff. That's basically Clatch being Kevin, going, come on, <laughs> sharks, right? Sharks? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Interior, lagoon, underwater. Steve blasts one of the sharks in the face with a right. Exterior, lagoon, day. The shark flies out of the water and lands on the shore, flipping about in a not-at-all-ridiculous fashion. Interior, lagoon, underwater. The other shark bites down hard on Steve's leg. Steve pries its jaws open, <laughs> all the way open. <laughs> Inverting the fish. I, why? Why, I, Kevin? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm writing down inverting the fish. That's my new favorite phrase. <laughs> That's a great band name yeah. from like the late 90s. Inverting, -grunge. inverting the fish. Excellent. Yeah. I literally wrote that down. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it'll be a t-shirt. Who knows? Uh, it floats to the surface. Dead. Yeah. It's inverted. Steve sees the open steel door and swims into it. Interior, cavern. Man, this is some exciting music. Steve uh -huh. rises from the water inside the mountain. He examines his leg. There's some skin damage, allowing <laughs> metal to show through. Then lights come on ahead, illuminating a tuddle. tunnel. Colonel Austin, this is Avery Clatch. I'll be your quarry for this evening. To meet me in battle at the heart of this mountain fortress, you need only step through the tunnel provided ahead for you. I await you with great eagerness. Yeah, that sounds legit. Yeah. Steve looks to the tunnel. It would seem clear. Steve looks around the cavern. High above, there's a ventilating duct, and Kevin loves Die Hard. <laughs> Steve climbs from the water and makes a bionic leap. <laughs> oh, man. You've he, been waiting for about a year and a half to do that, haven't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he reaches the duct and digs his heels and fists into the rock to hold him. He rips the duct grill off and jumps inside. Interior, gauntlet. Steve lands atop steel spikes, some of which enter his feet. Mm. 
he lets out a shriek of agony. Immediately, he's leapt upon by two cyborg assassins. Clever assessment, Colonel Austin. But you failed to pick the lady. Instead, you got the tiger. Steve grabs one of the cyborgs and hurls him into the other. He then pulls his feet off the spikes with great effort, only to then face the second attack of the cyborgs. The cyborgs pin Steve, throwing punches into his midsection. Steve <laughs> kicks off it, music. and in midair, kicks the pair in their respective heads. Here, this is better. I'm sorry, that was just hilarious. They fall onto the spikes. From their stuck position, one of the pair points his crude bionic arm at the fleeing Steve. A tiny gun barrel emerges and begins firing rapidly. Steve ducks behind an outcropping. Bullets tear into the rock. He's pinned. Those are no... Sorry. Those are no ordinary bullets, Colonel. Their Teflon-coated armor-piercing issue. Cop killers, I believe they're called in the States. They can penetrate even your thick skin. The other cyborg pulls himself off of the spikes and rushes the outcropping. Steve leaps out and grabs the cyborg, twisting him around like a human shield. The cyborg takes the full brunt of the bullets until Steve clears a corner. Steve then spins the cyborg around, headbutts him, and hurls him back down the corridor. The cyborg lands atop his partner, forcing his partner's rapid-firing arm pistol into his own chest. <laughs> Steve dashes down the twisting corridors as fire shoots from the walls, searing his clothing. He pats it out as he runs, and drops a steel pole that juts out of the wall by flipping over it. He lands on his feet, on the edge of a precipitous chasm. <sighs> okay, so this is... What, like high-tech Indiana Jones? My question Perhaps. is, if he had gone through the tunnel as Clatch in initially suggested, would he have been, like, just okay? Would everything have been fine then? That is the real mystery, my sir. Man, oh man. <laughs> I don't know. I just have lost a lot of enthusiasm for this one. Thanks to Kevin. The ground beneath his feet slides out. Steve plummets into the darkness. Oh, man. You know what I really need? What's I need that? a wahahahui noise. <laughs> you, might, you might not have a wahahui, which would be awesome, but I have a goat. Well, here, I've got this. Um, where were we? The ground beneath his feet slides out. Steve plummets into the darkness. Interior, pit cavern floor. Steve lands with a crashing thud. He attempts to shake off his daze and realizes his head, and raises his head, excuse me. His eyes meet that of Gilgamesh, standing <laughs> Gilgamesh. above him. Gilgamesh smiles and brings his metal foot crashing against Steve's head. Has one of us been Gilgamesh? Does Gil Gilgamesh speak? I don't think he has had any. I've got a list of all of the parts so far as as I know, except for like the doctor or tech or whatever, and I just don't see him. So I don't think he's had any parts yet. Any, any, you know, any lines. Hmm. Okay. Steve goes out, cold. 
Interior, containment hangar. The cavernous room is dark, with the exception of a single ceiling light casting a shaft of, shaft of illumination into the ground far below. Thanks to this, we can make out a cage, very simple in construction. On the floor of said cage is the crumpled heap that is the unconscious Steve Austin. He begins to stir, slowly lifting his head. He tries to focus. Tell me something. Steve tries to zero in on the voice, scanning the room for its source. Did they let you keep your balls? A shaft of light opens up on Clatch, <laughs> sitting on a chair across from the cage, well out of Steve's reach. I don't want to see them or anything. I'm just curious. They didn't let me keep mine. This is definite Kevin Smith. Mm -hmm. I, I don't need to see your balls. I'm just curious about your balls. That is <laughs> classic Kevin Smith. Only Kevin Smith would write that as a super villain's <laughs> opening line to the protagonist of the film. Steve yeah. stumbles to his feet and rushes the bars of the cage. He pulls at them unsuccessfully, attempting to pry them apart. Clatch nods at the cage. Tough, isn't it? It's an alloy I developed for this very eventuality. I knew one day all OSI hubris. What's hubris? Well, yeah, what's hubris? What's hubris? Yeah. It's uh like the um when when you are full of I would say hubris normally. Um, oh, well, hubris. Okay. Pride or self-confidence. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Please cut that. <laughs> nope. Damn you. All right, fine. I knew one day old OSI hubris would force their hand in a into a second attempt at cybernetic bionics. And for any reason, and for that reason, I tested the limits of my own strength on all the known metals, both natural and synthetic, until I found a combination even I couldn't crush. I doubled it and had this built, even reinforced the cell floor with the combination. The long and short of it is, you can't get out of there until I let you out. Waves it off. But that's neither here nor there. For now, let's use your unfortunate incarceration to get acquainted. I think we both know each other. Yes, I'm sure Sage and her pet goldfish told you all about me. And I've done my research on you, Colonel Austin. The second greatest miracle of modern science. I'm the first, of course. Of course. Look, you know what has to happen here. They've stuffed me full of tracking devices. They can see everything I see, hear everything I hear. They'll be coming to blast this place to hell if they're not already on their way. Let's not prolong this. Either give yourself up or beat it. I'm not interested in a conversation right now. That doesn't sound like the gung-ho American spirit they're famous for at OSI. Has someone lost the faith? Someone doesn't give a shit anymore. They've taken everything else from me. I'm sure they'll have no qualms about destroying me right alongside of you. You catch that, Sage? Blow us both up! Because I'm through with this bullshit! Oh. I'm through with the... Ah. You're? I'm through with your bullshit! What? 
You're. I know, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm. Because I'm through with your bullshit agency. Bravo. Stick it to the man, as they say. But you're talking to yourself, Colonel. I had your refinements disconnected. I had your refinements disconnected while you were out. Steve looks up sharply. Oh no, you're still fully functioning, but without the nuisance of your surveillance technologies. You can't communicate with them. They can't see or hear through you. Not anymore. By the way, did you know they could turn that on and off at will? If you were to say... If you were to stay in their employment, they could go online with you at any time I liked. They could go online with you any time they liked. Say, while you were mid-coitus. There you'd be, humping away at Miss Summers. <laughs> what the hell? Humping away at Miss Summers. And Sage and Oscar could be watching your bedroom antics back at their office like some amateur porn. Steve goes pale. Clatch feigns ignorance. What? Did I say something improper? Sarcastically catching on. Oh, the mention of Miss Summers. Yes, I know all about her. It's in your personal files. The ones that are all too easy to hack into back at OSI. Yes, Jamie, I believe is her name. Jamie's in there as well. Seems Sage ha Seems Sage now regards her as potentially dangerous to Project Six Million. She's tossing around the idea of having her liquidated. Bullshit! Oh, right, I'm the villain who's trying to turn you. Hence, I'll say anything. Good point. Clatch tosses Steve a microdisc. Process... <clears throat> process that at your leisure. It's your entire existence. Prior, present, and future. Mapped out courtesy of the good old folks at OSI. They have big plans for you there, Colonel. You're the perfect weapon. And unlike myself, you left ties behind. Ties that... Ties that your human side might find difficult to cut. I.e. Miss Summers. Margaret Sage is toying with the notion of cutting them for you. Steve eyes the disc. Hold on. He's just in a cage. How is he yeah. gonna peruse a disc from his cage? Oh, I guess they'll get to that. Maybe we haven't seen the whole cage. Oh, maybe his ass is like a disk drive. You just like slip it right in the crack and it goes Bzzz! and then he can just read it in his I don't know, it's it's Kevin Smith. It could be. Yeah. <sighs> don't you have to write uh direct? Mm, no, it's Clatch's line at the top of the page. At the top of the page. Yeah. Uh, oh. Mm. Okay. No, yeah, no. Steve eyes the disc. Yeah. You I have to direct that. I said that. Did you? Uh-huh. Okay. I'll take your word for it. You know, I'm telling the truth. They learned with the folly. Wow. Those are some weirdly placed words. They learned with the folly. Yeah, they learned with the folly of not keeping a tighter rein on me. They learned yeah. with. That makes no sense. That is a uh, no. nonsensical sentence well that's okay i'll just m move forward that fail safe they've installed in you is a direct result they can turn you off and on like a vibrator 
like a vibrator. Used... <laughs> yeah. When you think of something you can turn on and off easily. I'm thinking like flashlight, not flashlight. Whose first instinct is vibrator? On uh, and off Kevin, like a light. Apparently. Not even a flashlight, just a light. They can turn you on and off <laughs> like a light. Or uh, a toaster. Or anything but a vibrator. Whose mind goes first to vibrator? <laughs> to be used only when it satisfies them. That's you, dude. Yeah, sorry. I, I thought you were in the next <laughs> one down. Steve gets up and crosses to the other side of his cell. Clatch begins pacing. On a lighter note, did you know that there are 6,012 different ways to kill a human being with your hands? I've tried every one, sometimes multiply. Multiply? Multi multiply? Multiply? Oh, he's That's such all. a bad guy that... <laughs> He's killed. No, I get I no, multiple times. No, he's just, killed at yeah. least 6,000 people is what Kevin's <laughs> saying here, which is ridiculous, especially since we know that this guy loves to kill people by breaking their back. Like yeah. we've seen him do that one so many times. Mm -hmm. So on top of all those people, there are at least 6,000 more. Yeah. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculously multiply. Multi that's just a weird word multiply anyway yeah uh, he could have said multiple times yeah that's how I would have said it Mul but that's just me multiply, multiply definitely not a word in fact I'm gonna look it up nope <laughs> nope my iPad is like that is not a fucking word dude what are you doing to me <laughs> multiply yeah I mean it's multiply, but it's not multiply. Or, uh, or yeah. multiply. It's it's multiply. No, I don't know. The, no, no, no excuse. It's not pulley. Just, it's plea. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just Kevin Smith. It gets so boring after a while. You can't imagine how overjoyed I was when I ran into you in New York. For the first time in decades, I threw a punch that didn't explode ahead. It killed me to have you... It killed me to have to give you that slip. Half of me wanted to take you out for a drink. I mean, how often does one encounter a kindred spirit of sorts? There's nothing kindred about us. I was built to take you down. Right. Well, there is that. But regardless, we are brothers of sorts. We have the same parents. Do you know who those parents are? Better yet. And this is a trick question, mind you. You know who your father is? I am your father. <laughs> Steve says nothing. Clatch draws nearer to him. Hitler's your father, Colonel. Wow, that's the only way you top Darth Vader. Steve's hand springs <laughs> forward to grab Clatch, but Clatch nonchalantly smacks it away as he dodges to the right. It's true. Where do you think the... Where do you think the bionics program began? You've heard the, the experiments that... The, sorry, I'm just going to redo that again. It's true. Where do you think the bionics program began? You've heard of their experiments the Nazi doctors performed. Atrocious acts of inhuman... Atrocious acts of inhuman proportion. 
Well, cybernetics was counted amongst those experiments, seeing if a man could be mechanically enhanced. The visionary quest for the ubermensch, the Spider-Man. They made some headway too, but then, it, but then of course, but then, of course, the Reich was defeated, and both Americans and the Russians clamored to pull out as many German scientists as they could. Hold on, hold on, I need to stop you. He said the quest for the Ubermensch, the Spider-Man. Yeah. I, okay, Ubermensch is German for Superman. Yeah, but I mean. But uh, the Spider-Man, like, that's, I don't even get what kind of joke Kevin is trying to make there. I don't think it was meant to be a joke. It was meant to be like a nod, and I really didn't see it as anything more than just him being silly. No, I think his brain made, like, maybe he meant to write Superman, and he just had Spider-Man on the brain, and he got them confused for half maybe. a second. Like, maybe, maybe later when he went back to make this into a comic book, he went, Oh shit, Spider-Man! <laughs> How did I do that? Yeah. Anyway, please, uh, continue. I will. They made some headway, too. But then, of course, the Reich was defeated, and both the, Amer and both the Americans and the Russians clamored to pull out as many German scientists as they could. And while, and while the space program was born out of the genius of said scientists, something much more important germinated as well. Bionics. That's your history. They say it's important, you know, to know where you came from. You probably like that, don't you? Crediting a lunatic like Hitler as a part of your heritage? Hello? Well, did I miss where we are? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're page 138. As he speaks, Clatch notices the exposed metal. Oh, I some somehow my page... Oh, it must have been when I looked up that word. My page accidentally moved to the next page. Oh, well, and so I got sucks. messed up. I'm very sorry. No, you're good. Um, as he speaks, Clatch notices the exposed metal on his forearm. He begins fiddling with it. Actually... I think Hitler was an idiot, but then every son finds fault with his father sooner or later. The metal plate shifts slightly as if loose. Clatch's face registers this with some frustration. Der Fuhrer was stupid because he chose to focus on his range. Because he chose to focus his range on one group of people. I find that kind of, I find that kind of racism short-sighted. It would be ridiculous. For us to view one race as beneath us when they're all beneath us. You're going to hate only one race. I say, hate the entire human race. So, that's what you're working toward? You're going to wipe out mankind and fashion a machine world? Didn't I see that in a movie once? <laughs> they didn't they didn't have to make me stop the likes of you. They should have <clears throat> excuse me. They should have taken away your video store card. Clatch grabs a screwdriver from a tool table. He begins tightening the panel in his arm. 
The famous Austin Witt, I presume. That was also in your profile. One of the contributing... Bleh, one of the contributing factors to choosing you as a guinea pig number two. What? One of the... As uh, guinea pig number two. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'll rewrite. I'll rewrite. One of the... One of the... Con it's been a long day, dude. One of the contributing factors to choosing you as a guinea pig number two. With your easygoing nature, they figured you'd adapt well to your new lifestyle. But wit is usually preceded by intelligence, and that's where they slipped up. Because it's the exact intelligence that's going to help you see the world through my eyes. Lays down screwdriver. Not that that matters. You're smart, Colonel. Smart. Smart. You're smart, Colonel Austin. So I'll cut to the chase. In constructing you, they've enabled me to institute my plans for, yes, worldwide domination. I mean, what kind of villain would, would I be if I lacked one of those, right? You're not a villain. You're a joke. Clatch smashes himself violently into the bars. Fiercely eyeing Steve. I am a god! Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. And blessed are the great, for they shall receive their just rewards. Have you been saintly with credit in the past? If your credit record is rated great, Avancard can offer you Ireland's lowest rate on loans over €20,000. So whether you've been dreaming of an upgraded kitchen, better bathroom or snazzier car, see if we can answer your prayers. For more info, go to avancard.ie. Limited time offer. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Information correct as of February 1st, 2019. See bonkers.ie. DAC Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Brexit. Hard or soft? No one knows. But if you are an SME or small mid-cap likely to be affected by Brexit and are looking to innovate or prepare, the Brexit loan scheme could help. Be prepared for every eventuality and find out how your business can benefit from the Brexit loan scheme. Loans range from 25,000 up to 1.5 million euro with a maximum interest rate of 4% and are unsecured up to half a million euro. Terms and conditions apply. This is a Government of Ireland initiative delivered by the SBCI. Find out more at sbci.gov.ie or call 1-800-804-482. Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, back to Table Reads. Now, I typically like to end for the break at a scene break, but this, just like in the last episode, this it goes one on. scene and just on. goes on and on and on with dialogue. I flipped ahead and there are just so many pages. I don't even know when the next scene is. And it's so all it, you talking to yourself, Patrick. Yeah. In other words, people, uh, you know, find folks listening at home. Uh, if you listen to this podcast specifically with the intent of hearing Sean and his, uh, you know, no one does. Don't pipes. worry. Uh, then you're just going to want to just fast forward. I don't know. Um, because this is going to be all of me. <sighs> yeah. Let's deal with that now. Fade in. I am a god. 
Clatch step back, steps back slowly and brushes himself off slightly, containing his rage. As is yourself, we are the Adam and the Eve. You can be whichever one you like. One of the new millennium. We are thinking machines. Machines with free will. And I'm not talking about that movie crap. We're not machines that gained total consciousness or some cyberpunk sci-fi garbage out of that nature. I'm talking about the perfect union mankind. What? I'm talking about the perfect union mankind has been working tirelessly and obsessively towards since the start of the Industrial Revolution. The marriage of man and machine. Steve looks back at Clatch. With, yeah, Jesus. they're having a conversation. Of course he does. <laughs> He's not just going to turn his back on him. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> Jesus, you're insane. No, I'm awake. Clatch throws a switch on the wall that electrifies the cage. Steve convulses. The rest of the world forgot to set their alarm. Steve continues to jolt back and forth violently, writhing in pain. A lot of people think that I'm anti-human, and that's horseshit. I realize how important humans are. Hell, I've, I used to be one myself, but I view them as the view... I view them as they view the apes from which they evolved. They're a cute but painful reminder of the necessity of natural selection. S strike that. I view them as our cattle or something. Regardless, I don't discount or disdain them. We need the humans to make them over in our image. Clatch pulls the switch again, shutting off the charges. Steve falls to the floor, breathing heavily. Microwaves. I use them to discipline my troops. I also use them on smart asses. So watch who you, so watch who you call insane, please. Steve rubs at his head, attempting to gain his bearings. Clatch hits a switch on the wall, and huge hanger-like doors open, pouring light into the once dark room. Steve shields his eyes, looking up only to then go wide-eyed instead. As the doors slowly slide open, we see a legion of cyborg soldiers, row upon row of machine men, standing in wait, eyes closed. Their appearance is biomechanic. Unlike Steve, the replaced limbs and enhancements can be seen for what they are. It's like an army of clatches. <laughs> Gilgamesh stands at a platform, a control board spread out before him. He's online, as always. This only took me six months. Thank Thanks to the data the OSI has been pleasant enough to supply me with, via my little raids. And it's only the beginning, Colonel. I'm going to decrease the population of the world by two-thirds. That's actually a good idea. And recreate the remaining fortunate few as cyborgs. Think of it. The dregs of this human planet wiped clean. Taking you just inserted the word human randomly. Did I really? I have issues with words. Uh, and recreate the remaining fortunate few as cyborgs. Think of it. The dregs of this planet wiped clean. Taking their disease and pollution with them. Leaving a world where mortality is conquered by science. 
As long as we continue to update their parts and enhance their health through bionics, my people will never die. And the far less crowded Earth will then be home to the product of self-propelled evolution. Regenesis by my hand. A race of the bionic, ageless, deathless, perfect. Like us. You know, I actually think that Kevin is hitting on some really high sci-fi concepts here of transhumanism. Yeah. That, that you know, before they became real popular. So, kudos, well, like, Kevin. Kudos. Yeah, he's, he's, he's been known as a trendsetter among certain cliques. This is, uh, this is just one of them. I mean, I'm sure... No, I know for a fact William Gibson had been writing some transhumanist stuff at this point or, or earlier, but like it wasn't, it hadn't permeated the pop culture at the point. So mm. I still give Kevin props here. Oh, yeah. Clatch signals to Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh turns the key on his control panel. The army goes online. <coughs> Every soldier sparks to life. Wait, were they just like standing there like mannequins before? It was like that scene from iRobot, I'm guessing. So you just open a door and they're all just like... <laughs> sure. That like I didn't get. I thought they were like standing there ready to do some shit. I didn't know they were just statues. Clatch no. watches this beaming with... Pr Wait. I missed... Okay. Every soldier sparks to life. Squadron leaders step out of the line and lead their squads toward the waiting carriers. Clatch watches this, beaming with pride. He then turns his attention to Steve, who rolls subtly from side to side, still in pain. Clatch kneels down beside him. I would like very much for you to rule by my side, Colonel. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy <laughs> as father and son. And son. No! Sorry. We were the first to be reborn into this new world. It is only fitting that we oversee it together. Like it or not, we are brothers in steel. <laughs> brothers in steel. <laughs> Steve struggles to speak. How? 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 Kill? Two-thirds? Two How do I propose to kill the other two-thirds? Good question. Well, I plan to use that ionizer I stole the, the chip for, for starters. The rest will be executed. Well, when? Well, these things take time. But it'll probably start... Uh, about 12 hours in Washington, D.C. of all places. You know I know what? Be... I feel like... I'm sorry to interrupt, but I feel like Clatch should talk faster because he does it so much. Okay. Touche. <laughs> I knew it'd be simpler to start here in Japan, but what if the Americans caught on? They're such a damn nuisance with their missiles and nukes. They might just, as you said before, blast me to hell once they've caught wind of what I was trying over here. Now, I think it's better to start in D.C. See, America is the policeman to the world and it'd cripple the world's police force. Uh, uh, and to cripple the world's police force would make it easier to carry out my plans. Besides, if 
By starting in Washington, I'm wiping out the cradle of the government. And when there's no government, the country will fall into anarchy, which will make it that much easier to splinter the population into a million pieces. They'll do half our work for us by killing each other once their leadership's out of the way. And given our proficiency with machines and computers and whatnot, it'll be so simple to take control of the country's nuclear capabilities. I mean, they were manufactured for use, right? We'll use them to downsize the population of the world. And given that we don't truly function as human beings anymore, we'll outlive whatever radioactive fallout that may exist from nuking the rest of the world. I mean, sure, this semi-organic skin that they covered... Bleh, this semi-organic skin they covered you and I will most likely rot. But, as you've probably already noticed... Clatch peels another section off his facial of his facial skin off, revealing further metal. Sorry, dog. I, I'm not that into Clatch this. is just feeding his skin to a dog. It's clear. It's cool. No, my dog. <laughs> no, no, I heard your dog, and I'm working him into the script. There you go. <laughs> I'm not that into the aesthetic anyway. Beauty's only skin deep, right? smiles as he tosses the skin away to Patrick's dog. Yeah. No, the only danger of the nuclear weapons is the possible havoc that the bomb's resulting electrical magnetic pulse could wreak on our circuitry. But I think our microprocessors can... Yeah. But I think our microprocessors can withstand low-level hits of EMP. Rises to his feet. But I can explain this all on the way. The fireworks in Washington begin in approximately 12 hours and that's the best time to ionize the atmosphere, when everyone's in one place. What can I say? I believe in the quick kill. Shrugs. So, what do you say, Steve? Are you with me on this? I've appealed to your intellect. You see that I can't be defeated. Look at that army, for God's sake. This very day, the new world begins, and I'd have you by my side for its birth. Are you with me? Steve struggles to his knees, still convulsing. He grabs onto the cage and pulls himself up further, weakly staring up at Clatch. Go to hell. Steve drops again. Clatch shakes his head at him, sadly. It was worth a shot, wasn't it? Clatch moves toward the wall and hits a button. A control panel opens. While entering a code... My parting gift to the Atoya Corporation and to this great land of the rising sun is rather dramatic, but somewhat ethical. Er, but essential. somewhat I know, I can read, just not very well. But somewhat essential. This fortress will go nuclear in fifteen minutes, by which time my army and I, along with the ionization device, will be long on its way towards the US. It won't be all that impressive an explosion. Only one megaton, but it'll be enough to destroy this base with you in it. Clatch pushes a button. The LED clock built into the panel begins its 15-minute countdown. Ooh, it's an LED clock. That means it's legit. A tad much with the clock, I know. But, as you've pointed out, I've watched too many movies. Au revoir, Cap... Captain. Au revoir, Colonel... <laughs> the fuck is wrong with my mouth 
Au revoir, Colonel Austin. I shall think of you from time to time. Not often, but still. And I should run into either Sage... And should I run into either Sage or Oscar, I'll be sure to tell them that you died with your boots on. Clatch mocks salutes Steve and marches away. Then he stops short. He heads back toward the switch on the wall and throws it. The microwaves erupt anew in Steve's cage. <laughs> he begins convulsing violently again, rolling about. Clatch mm. frowns. That's for not declining politely. Clatch marches away, leaving Steve writhing in agony amidst the electrical waves, which is not what microwaves are. They're radio radio uh, <laughs> radiation waves, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> it's Kevin. He's... Scientifically stupid. We, oh, we thank know. Christ. A scene change. <laughs> <laughs> Interior, launch pad, night. Soldiers continue to board the carriers under Gilgamesh's watchful eye. Just the one. Clatch joins his major domo. Is this the last of them? Gilgamesh nods. And the device has been loaded as well? Gilgamesh gestures toward the large, largest of the jets, a transport a few planes away. Clatch nods. Then, let's clear this dump. You and I will ride with the device. Instruct the others to follow. He rushes toward the Harrier. Shotgun. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah. The roof opens, revealing the night sky. The jets prepare for liftoff. Interior, containment hangar. Steve writhes on the floor. Agony splashed across his face. <laughs> he manages a look toward the launch pad. Interior, launch pad, night. The squad of Harriers lifts into the air, being led by Clatch's and Gilgamesh's transport. Interior, containment hangar. Steve cranes his neck in the other direction, toward the countdown clock. It reads 10 minutes and counting. Steve will more than likely be permanently incapacitated in half that time. Steve continues to be beaten by the microwaves. That's so dumb. He looks around oh, his cage and sees the micro disc. No. No, the one Clatch no. had tossed to him. Hmm. <laughs> what the hell? Steve uh, pulls himself toward it, struggling. Interior. I'm Interior. Struggling. Launch pad. Night. The Clatch craft clears the overhang doors and climbs into the night air. The second jet begins to follow. Interior. Containment hangar. Steve reaches the disc and grabs it. Pulling himself toward the edge of the cage... He grabs onto the bars and pulls himself to his feet, all while still being pelted by the devastating microwaves. <laughs> he sets his sights on Steve's POV, the second jet. Using his thermal sighting enhancements, the image goes digital, giving a gridded layout of the cockpit. Through the grid, we can make out body temp visuals of the pilot and co-pilot. Steve winds up with his last bit of strength and hurls the disc with bionic might. <laughs> the disc whips through the air at incredible speed and pierces the hull. Interior, second jet cockpit, night. The disc embeds itself into the head of the pilot, who slumps forward on the column. In exterior, launch pad, night. The second jet veers and swings around, smashing into the third carrier. Into the... Wait. I lost... I looked away and I lost my spot immediately. See? I'm not the only one. Uh... 
into the third carrier, which then flips and spins into the fourth and fifth. Those carriers smash into the walls of the cave and are engulfed in a flaming explosion. Interior, transport cockpit, night. Gilgamesh calls Clatch's attention to the mountains as it emits fire and smoke. Clatch's POV, the mountain shakes relentlessly under the force of the internal explosions and begins to crumble. Then, we zoom in via Clatch's own bionic sight six times to catch the detail of the soldier slash pilot of the fifth craft screaming as his cockpit is engulfed in flame. Clatch slams his fist on the side of the cockpit. Damn him! Gilgamesh offers a questioning look at his master. Clatch fumes. Get us out of here now! Gilgamesh lays on the thrusters. Clatch's transport takes off into the night. Interior, launch pad, <laughs> night. The fifth carrier, the one with the screaming, flaming pilot, bounces off the inside wall, careening toward the adjacent containment hangar. Interior, containment hangar, yeah, you guessed it. From his cage, Steve sees the jet heading toward him. With all the strength he can muster, he climbs to his feet, the microwave still lashing him. He watches the jet sliding toward him and times his jump. A microsecond before the jet smashes into the cage, Steve leaps into the air. The cage goes skyborne, and Steve runs across its interior like a hamster in a wheel. <laughs> and flips onto the hull of the moving jet. He bionically leaps from the jet to a crumbling wall to a crumbling wall on the other side of the hangar, just as the jet impacts into the mountain and explodes. Wow. Steve frantically punches the crumbling rock that holds him above the fire below. He climbs in this manner toward the open ceiling and pulls himself out. Exterior, the mountain, night. Balancing along the lip of the mountain, Steve looks back briefly. Steve's POV. Bionically enhancing his line of sight, Steve zeroes in on the countdown clock, which hits the two second mark, then the one. Steve jumps from the mountaintop into the air. The mountain goes nuclear, mushroom cloud style. Interior, Launch pad. Soldiers climbing from the wreckage are seared by atomic fire, liquefying them. He didn't research that. <laughs> now, wouldn't it, uh, well, it, it, an atomic blast would basically uh, not liquefy, but uh, just turn you into dust, right? Yeah, you'd be essentially atomized. Yeah. Not, not liquefied. Also, atomic fire isn't a thing. No. Uh, the atomic is just the the discharge of an explosion. It's it's just fire. There's some radiation, but it's not atomic fire. This dude read too many comics. Mm, of course. Um, and, and not enough like you know real science books is what I'm saying. Because yeah. no problem reading lots of comics. That's great, but temper it a little bit with some reality, Kev. Interior, containment chamber, hangar, containment hangar. The dazed soldiers from the jet that freed Steve are seared by the blasts. 
So the other guys are liquefied. These ones are just seared. <laughs> Still raw on the inside, I guess. Exterior, the mountain, night. As Steve plummets to Earth, the mountain crumbles within itself. Exterior, forest, night. Steve lands on one tree, then another, and hits the ground with a thud. He shakes off his tumble and climbs to his feet. Looking back at the mountain momentarily, he then races through the woods. Steve reaches his jet and climbs inside. Interior, cockpit, night. The pilot is dead, killed by debris that fell from the exploding mountain. He slumps over the partially damaged control board, which sparks. Steve winces as he pulls the man's body from the cockpit and places him on the ground. Steve then pulls the cracked cockpit window closed and powers up the jet while strapping on his helmet. He snaps on the comlink. Echo 1 to Echo Base, do you copy? Echo 1 to Echo Base, do you copy? The dash sparks and the cockpit goes black. Steve slams his fist into it a couple of times and it comes back on. He tries the radio again, but now it's completely dead. Steve blesses himself and guns his thrusters. <laughs> Instead uh, of thrusting his gun. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would take a cross-country flight in a jet that had a sparking control board. Well, he's a robot man? Yeah, all right, well. Exterior, forest, night. Steve's Harrier rises into the night sky and takes off. Exterior, Washington, D.C., the next day. It's five in the afternoon here, and already the city streets are jammed with revelers preparing for fireworks. Everywhere you look, the place is packed with bodies, waving flags, wearing hats, boozing it up, having a grand old time. Interior, OSI hallways, day. Everyone except Oscar and Sage. She marches down the hallway with Oscar, following angrily. We have to give him more time. For all we know, that maniac reprogrammed him. His pilot hasn't reported in in the last 24 hours. Austin's tracking devices are offline, as are his monitors. We've lost contact with him. This is insane. He could be en route home now, and you're opting to blow everything because you're a little nervous? It's my strong feeling that Colonel Austin had has gone renegade. Yes, he could be en route now. To kill us, or bomb the capital, maybe. He had specific orders that he's failed to comply with. We're shutting him down. Hauser races up the hall and intercepts the pair. Satcom's tracking an unidentified... <laughs> Sorry, let me try that again. Satcom's tracking an unidentified transport coming into our airspace pretty freaking fast. Not on any logs or manifests. Flying due south. As if coming from Japan. Notify all the intelligence branches and the military. You'd better pray it's him and pray he's still one of the good guys. Exterior, the reflecting pool, day. The crowd looms large around the monument. Loud music plays. There's a free concert going on. An erected stage plays host to some Michael Bolton type. <laughs> what the hell? Um, Why Michael I, Bolton? He's a no-talent ass clown. Exterior, sky above, day. 
Nothing. No, I mean, I agree with you. What am I going to do? Argue that Michael Clown's a no talent or Michael Bolton's a no talent ass clown? No, well, I'm not going to argue that. You say a true thing. I let it <laughs> sit okay. there as truth. Okay. Okay. Exterior sky above. Clatch's transport zooms overhead. Ah, damn it. <laughs> what the hell was that? I somehow accidentally activated uh, Siri. Siri, yeah. Hey, Siri. No, it can't hear you, luckily. <laughs> Interior transport cargo hold day. The device sits atop Bombay doors. Okay. It's Bombay. Uh, he wrote Bombay like the place. Bombay. Like, like Bombay gin. It's Bombay. A bay for bombs. Bombay. <laughs> the device sits atop Bombay doors. It's rather unimpressive. Only about the size of a Volkswagen. With the exception of the vents and a few blinking lights, you wouldn't know what it was if you fell over it. A full platoon of cyborgs surround it, lining the walls of the carrier. Interior, transport cockpit, day. Gilgamesh flies. Clatch enters the cockpit. We, we over... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Be over the reflecting pool soon. Gilgamesh nods. The device is programmed to activate on landing. Once this parcel's dropped, we'll land on the other side of the city and let the troops start tearing things apart. A light on the instrument panel goes off. Gilgamesh points. Clatch delights. Hee 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 hee. Bombs away. <laughs> <laughs> Clatch pulls a lever. Interior. Transport cargo hold. Day. The Bombay doors Bombay. open. Again. Again, Bombay. Bombay. <laughs> the Bombay doors open again, and the device drops out of sight. Exterior, sky above, day. The device floats toward the earth. A parachute opens, slowing its descent. Oh, that's usually what a parachute does. Right? Exterior, the reflecting pool, day. The crowd, grooving to the concert, Grooving. <laughs> to Michael Bolton. Yeah. Okay. Begins turning its attention. It's all white people doing that like white people, like 40 year old <laughs> mom dance where they just sort of like wiggle it, their hips with their it, arms outstretched. Yeah. The one where they, uh, they, they put one foot in front of the other and then they back up and put the other foot in front of the other. And it looks like they're doing accounting work. I don't know what you're even saying. Exactly. In other words, it's oh, like oh, Jesus! Cool it's not even ever. Michael Bolton, and it's not, it's not a musician like Michael Bolton. It yeah. is a Michael Bolton impersonator. The crowd, grooving to the concert, begins turning its attention to the descending device. Even the Bolton looks look-alike stops singing and silently watches this large box dropping out of the sky. The device lands in the reflecting pool. The parachute falling to the side. All is quiet for a moment. Then, on the device, a light flashes on. And a slow whirring rumbles. Then there's a deafening sonic boom. The crowd panics. The atmosphere changes colors momentarily, and electrical charges flash. Then, the box emanates a gaseous cloud, which spreads out from its vents. 
It begins to overtake the fleeing crowd and people fall to the ground, gasping for air. Hundreds topple over, dying. The ionization of Washington has begun. Fade out. Where do we start? Where do we start with this script? Um, well, we started at the beginning and <laughs> eventually we'll get to the end, but I feel like it's going to be a real, real long time. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is unending. I mean, this is our sixth episode of this thing. We've We're only got 22 on. pages yeah. left though. I think we can do it in one well, more. I think we can do it in one more. Uh, it's going to take uh, some fast reading on my part, uh, error-free as, as, as possible. And uh, it's going to take you not getting uh, switched up on what page you're on. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> hey, turnaround's fair play. Or turnabout is fair play. Whatever. Man, this script is rubbing off on you. Hey, Patrick, do you have anything that you would like to plug, sir? Uh, yes. My wife is uh, a, an artist. And uh, my wife and I have a YouTube channel, and it's called Epiphany Craft Studio. So uh, if you're into art and uh, you, you like, you know, our goofy humor, uh, just, you know, sure, check us out. That's Epiphany Craft Studio on YouTube, yes? Yeah, uh, yes. And you can get everything Epiphany at uh, epiphanycraft.com. Great. Excellent. Good job. Hey. Thank now, you. Uh, I currently don't have anything other than this very show to uh, to pimp. Um, I will say that this show, as all audio-based shows should, now has an Instagram account at The Table Reads. Same as our Twitter account, at The Table Reads. Uh, you can see more at The Table Reads, or not The Table Reads, but just tablereadspodcast.com. And um, if you want to read this script without us or along with us, you can download it at tablereadspodcast.com. Click on the little menu button in the top left and go to scripts. And there it is. You can download it in a beautiful PDF format and read it yourself. And um, we will see you next week. This podcast was created by Sean McBee. For more, visit TableReadsPodcast.com. Cut to black. Welcome to the Ford Innovate 191 sales event. Driving better SUV value for you. Take the new Ford EcoSport. Featuring Ford Sync navigation with touchscreen, Ford Pass with Wi-Fi connectivity, rear view camera, parking sensors and cruise control. And right now you can order a 191 Ford EcoSport with an amazing 7 year warranty, 7 year roadside assistance and 2 years free servicing. All from just €23,525. Ford Innovate. Driving better value for you. See it for yourself at your local participating Ford dealer. Offer ends February 28th. Ford, go further. Price excludes delivery and related charges. Terms and conditions apply. See Ford.ie for details. Brexit, hard or soft? No one knows. 
But if you are an SME or small mid-cap likely to be affected by Brexit and are looking to innovate or prepare, the Brexit Loan Scheme could help. Be prepared for every eventuality and find out how your business can benefit from the Brexit Loan Scheme. Loans range from 25,000 up to 1.5 million euro with a maximum interest rate of 4% and are unsecured up to half a million euro. Terms and conditions apply. This is a Government of Ireland initiative delivered by the SBCI. Find out more at sbci.gov.ie or call 1-800-804-482.